You are now tuned in to the Property Management Show with your host, Alex Osanenko. We bring in the experts of today so you can be the master of tomorrow in all things property management. Whether it's getting more doors, running a profitable fee-based business, or by simply being the best property manager. So, grab a pen and paper because this episode is sure to be a good one. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Property Management Show. It's so good to have you here. Um, very humbled by all of you listening. Uh, we have a great audience, uh, lots of questions flying our way. So I just want to make sure we point people in the right directions. If you have any podcast suggestions, um, uh, questions you want to talk about, uh, uh, the way you do things, uh, hit us up at hello at com. Put in podcast anywhere in the subject line. I'll get it and uh, we'll go through it. Um, and I promise I will reply to you. Um, today's guest is an amazing entrepreneur who's done it for a long time. And I am uh, privileged to have her join this podcast so we can all collectively pick her brain and get a lot of wisdom on how to run our own businesses. I'm excited to welcome Melissa Prandy. Melissa, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Awesome. Phenomenal. It's good to have you. Um, and today we're going to dissect Prandy property management a little bit. Um, and we get to hopefully learn from what you have done over the years building this company up. I'm not quite familiar with your founding story. So maybe if you can kind of welcome us, all of us in uh, to your business and tell us a little bit how you started and grew this company to where it's at now. Well, uh, first of all, um, Melissa Prandy, I've got uh, now 36 years in the business. Wow. Amazing. I started uh, when I was 19 years old. I was the receptionist at the company. Didn't take long to get my real estate license to become the property manager. And this October 1st, I'll be 30 years the owner of the company. And when I bought it, it was a small side business for someone else. Maybe 100 properties. And now we manage over 600 and really are the go-to company in Marin County. That is fantastic, Melissa. And and so when you started the company, um, was it called Prandy or was it another name? No, it was called GNR Property Management. Gary and Rich were the owners. Gotcha. And and then you were a real estate uh, office that had property management on the side? No, actually a CPA, believe it or not. Gary was a CPA and his clients needed them. So he saw in their cash flow reports that they actually needed um, better management. And started managing things onesie twosies, built it up to about a hundred, and lo and behold, eventually sold it to me. So, so let me let's talk about that a little bit. And and so you were how old were you when you actually acquired the ownership of the business? I was twenty five. Twenty five. What do you know at twenty five? <laughs> well, I just knew hard work. That's it. I like that. I like that. It's a grit, right? It's just, uh, but, but, I mean. I mean, you had to have done a couple things right. So, so do you do you mind traveling back there a little bit? Because a lot of people who are listening may have, may 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 be in that space now, or or have been, and want to kind of connect to that. What what were a couple things? What are the couple most important things you've done, Melissa, over the first couple of years to set you up to be where you are today? Well, I think um, I was born and raised in the community, so I was always reaching out to family, friends, and saying, "Hey, I'm in the property management. Do you know anybody that needs rental?" Rentals or care. So even at, at a young age and 
and I was working as a property manager. I was asking my dad's friends, family friends, hey, does anybody need us to handle your rentals? So I was already putting the word out when I was in the beginning stages. But getting my real estate uh, license in 1982, that was pretty early on. Uh, I was in my early 20s um, and, it, you know, actually 20 years old. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of people doing that. And I was willing to do all that it took. Back then, there was one lady. Her name was Ruth Frischman. She taught a two-day single-family residential property management class. She was the only one that was out there teaching it. I took that class seven times. Oh, wow. She said, you can teach the class. But every time I taught it, I mean, every time I took it, I actually learned from other students in the room as well as a teacher. And lo and behold, little did I know about NARPA back then. Was and there NARPA back then? Yeah, I started in NARPA, and uh, I'm celebrating 25 years in NARPA. And I started in NARPA in 1993. Uh, but was NARPA around in 1982? No, they weren't around when I first started. I actually joined in 93. Um, they, if they were around, I didn't know about them. That's why I took that lady's class so many times. They're really No, but single-family home management was not a household word like it is today. Gotcha. And so education sounds like something you got obsessed about, and you took whatever's available, which was one class. You took it multiple times and learned from the students. That's quite clever, and it's really great. And, you know, it's a little bit of a hustle too, right, because – you know, a lot of us are, you know, one time and done and we move on. But this is this is this is great. So obsessed about education is the first factor and, and I guess a, a, a contributor to your success. What's the second? If you had to pick the second one again, back, back, go back to those early years. What's the other thing? So hard work, investing in education. What else? Uh, it didn't take me long. I, I was actually in the city of the town of Corte Madera at the time. Someone asked me to serve on the Chamber of Commerce board. I was only one year the owner, 1988, and I served as the secretary of the board with an all-male board for the Chamber of Commerce. That turned heads. So you got noticed. You got uh, more, you know, integrated into the business community because you say you grew up there, but it doesn't mean you, you know, you, you're part of the business community. You can know a lot of people, but you know, you have to kind of integrate into the business community. That's what I found, you know, and that's a, that's a, like a different echelon, right, almost. Um, well, and back, Alex, back then, you know, there really weren't a lot of women doing business. So I got to know a lot of them. I always say like-minded people. So here I was working on our, our big event, and that town was the parade. So here I was putting in long hours volunteering. And every once in a while, I'd say, so what is it that you do again? Oh, I manage rental property. And they all owned rental property. So before you knew it, those board of directors were sending me referrals. And I, again, I wasn't even the owner then. So what do you think is the percentage of women-owned property management businesses, let's call it Marin, where you at, which is north of San Francisco, back in those days? What, was the, what, was the, what would be, like, gut feel percentage? Oh, zero. Zero. Okay, so you're the only one. Okay. There and, weren't a lot of women-owned businesses. And, and if we look at NARPM today, and by the way, for those of you listening who are not familiar with NARPM, this is National Association of Residential Property Managers. You have to check it out. If you anything to do with property management, if you're not in it, you are um, you are behind in, in many ways. But but what do you think is the split right now, Melissa, between women and men-owned property management companies? You know, I don't really know it per se, but I would say based on who I know in the in the business, and you know, we go to all these conferences and conventions. I think it's pretty close to equal fifty-fifty. I mean, it's, there's a lot more women-owned businesses today. 
Gotcha. And you and I had the conversation on how to kind of encourage and empower women to speak because we, uh, you know, we're running a PM Growth Summit. We have, uh, I'm, I'm attending just about every NARPOM conference there is. And a lot of guys are willing to get up and speak. Not a lot of women, yourself and maybe a no, few others notable. And that's it, really. And, and so part of this, um, part well, of the effort for us is to find yeah. those women because they, they know this stuff. It's not like they, they're not good. They're great. It just, just enable them to speak. But we did talk a little bit about that. I think the problem is that uh, they're not in the leadership part of things. They have to kind of, you have to start somewhere. I think if they would just start by doing some things in their local market, teach at a college, offer to do an investor panel. There are so many things that, that women or men can do to start out that brings you in business, but also teaches you leadership skills. Absolutely, 100%. And I wanted to point out for the women who are listening, there are advantages because if you're pragmatic and you're thinking, okay, Alex, Melissa, you're fine. You guys go do your talking. I'm just going to be quietly killing it in my own business and making the, the cash. The advantages of public speaking, even at a NARPM and, and related conferences where you technically you're not going to get the business because you're teaching you know, your colleagues essentially. But the advantages these days are huge. Uh, you get noticed by publications and stuff like that, and this is where you get a lot of uh, – called link juice for your website so in other words you're promoting your website and google will rank you i mean if nothing else right if you appear on all these authoritative sites like narpum uh like journals and local journals chamber of commerce all those things, when you appear there all of a sudden your website begins to propagate in search and you don't understand why well it's because uh google gives a lot of value to these authoritative websites and and, and, and that's kind of – so if, if you're thinking about any kind of advantages, that is a big one, uh, and it's way underappreciated by a lot of people. They just don't understand this is happening, but it is. It puts you as an expert in your own field. And when you can stand up in front of either five people, 25 people, or 500 people, people see you in your own peers. Referrals is a great source of new business, right, Alex? I mean, I get so many referrals. So if I'm out there working with realtors in my community – I'm in front of them, and I'm not out of sight, out of mind. I'm right in front of them. Well, who does property management? Oh, let's send it to Melissa Prandy. So I think that's the other other piece of getting referrals, whether it's your peer in NARPM, you know. A hundred percent agree. So, so education, obsessed about education, and a couple of resources. Let's give people some resources on education. If somebody is wanting to start now and get deeper into education, so we'd recommend it NARPM. Anything else you'd recommend, Melissa? Well, on NARPM though, there's the designation courses. So there's even a basic class called called the uh, Property Management 101. It is the basics if you're really green and really new. Take the class. Even take it if you've been doing it a long time because there's things that come up from the students again but also that are in the instruction. Uh, I, I think you should take as many classes as you can, and NARPM offers a lot. So NARPM, uh, apply for designations, study for designations. Uh, any other resources you, you, you'd call out that you personally attend or well, appreciate? a lot um, I take a lot of speaking courses. I take a lot of leadership courses. You can go to the National Speakers Association if you want to become a professional speaker. All it does is bring you to another level. So there's a lot of, you know, think about your chamber of commerce. They have business classes. They, be out there in the community, I mean, in, in your local community. Gotcha. So that's, yeah, that's the education. That's being in the community. And so you're at 100 units, uh, excuse me. Uh, let's call, let's, let's track back to, 
um, let's call maybe a few years in the business. How fast did you grow from 100 to, let's say, 200, 250, which is kind of more sustainable? 100 is still, is still a little small, but how, how fast did you grow there? I would say the first two and a half, by, by year, just over the two-year mark, we doubled. And I think I think the word got out. I happened to be, as I said, I'm born and raised in Marin County. I got in the community. I got involved in three or four nonprofit boards. So I served on the board of realtors as a, a community service member, and then became the chair. So all those realtors started sending me business. We were getting business monthly from referral sources and word of mouth. Um, I also back then we ran yellow page ads. <laughs> believe it or not, um, <laughs> I was the, the biggest yellow page ad, and you know. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but there it was the first one you turn the page. It's like Google Today was your placement in the yellow page ads. Exactly. I also ran postcard programs, and I still do that today. Postcard program programs to non-owner occupied uh, single family homes, and they worked. People saw them, and they answered the ad. Yeah. Call for I think you and I looked at your postcards. They were pretty well designed, and you had the whole campaign sort of planned out instead of just dropping a single. Uh, uh, single set of postcards and calling it a, a, a failure, right? A lot of people do it once or twice. Yeah, this is kind of like this is something that you got to keep seeding to get to get good results from. Um, I have a specific question, Melissa. Did you pay a referral fee? And if so, how much was it back then when you were 200 units when we're doubling? So back then, we, um, you know, I'm trying to think of what we did. I can't recall. We did a couple programs that we got approved. We actually did gift cards. And I think back then Nordstrom's became a really big deal at one point in my career, you know, long before today. But we gave Nordstrom's gift cards. We now do Amex, American Express gift cards. Um, we were paying referral fees pretty early on. I found that top realtors didn't really want the money, or so they said. They wanted their client taken care of. Mm -hmm. so there was a personal touch early on, and I don't. I still do that today, which um, is personal note cards and thank you cards. I would take people out to coffee. Hey, Alex, I understand you have a new client for us. Do you have time for a quick cup of coffee? So for me, um, it wasn't lunch, so it didn't take a lot of time. I could do four coffee, five coffee dates in a week, and to, and I would pick. I'd go to the to the realtor site, and I'd find out who the top fifty realtors were, and I've actively was tracking them, and I'd stop when their brokers open and their open houses. Hey, Alex, I understand you have a new listing. I'm going to stop by your listing today. And I bring them some gift, or I bring oh, them. Our that's clever. All right, you guys are listening. You guys are listening. Ears Talk. up, uh, ears up. That's just a tip that I have not heard yet. So, um, <laughs> go to the open house and 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 build that relationship because they're usually lonely over there, right? I see them sitting down and so happy that somebody walked in. You could be the person that walks in, and that's great. I'll send send you business development person there. That's a great idea. But it, but also, Alex, bring something in your hand. Right. Bring, up, bring them an orchid. Bring them, especially if they sent you a piece of business. Why not get in front of them? I got another one for you. Sure. Uh, oftentimes, the realtor uh, they have actually team meetings or their actual um, meetings monthly or even weekly. I got to go in several times to speak to them. I didn't pitch Brandy, but I told them what the do's and don'ts were of signing and renting, leasing, and leasing property. Scared them a little bit. Told them some of the things that were out there. I did this early on the first two years of my business. I got to know the managers of the large companies, the Coldwell Bankers. We had, uh, you know, Remax. So the other thing I did was I would bring a, a plant or a flower arrangement. Now I do orchids with a thank you balloon, and I'd walk into, oh, just happened to be in their meeting. And guess what? People would say, why is she getting a beautiful plant? What did they do? I want one of those. It drew attention, and I can still do that today. 
That's interesting. So the t- the strategies that have worked for you um, over the years, you know, years ago, are you're continuing you continue to deploy them today, which is just quite impressive and consistent. That consistency, I bet, brings a lot of bacon. I wanted to give you an example. We just got a beautiful referral. My son, Matt, who does our, he's our BDM, our business development manager. He went out and pitched the client with his assistant. And Matt came back and he said, you know, Mom, this was a referral from a realtor. He gives me the name and phone number. I had a 15, 20-minute conversation with her yesterday on the phone. I just called her out of the blue and said, you know, Tamara, I want to thank you. You just sent me a, a beautiful referral. Now, we haven't done anything but sign the client. We're going to keep you in touch because we don't buy and sell real estate. It's a high-end rental. And the person that rents that property is also your client. So she goes, oh, I never thought of that. I said, exactly. But isn't that person at high-end going to be a buyer someday? So now they're like, she goes, oh, that's a great idea. And I thanked her. I said, I really just wanted you to know I appreciate your referral means a lot to me. That was yesterday. I did that 25 years ago. <laughs> that's amazing. So that, that's, that's the path for growth. Now, admittedly, this is for the A kind of personality. Somebody, somebody who loves to get out and, and sort of somebody who's got a you know, smile and, and, and positive attitude, which is you know, somebody like yourself. Um, some of us are more introverts though, right? Some of us are, you know, I'm fighting my introvert nature, right? To try to be more, um, uh, you know, comfortable in public setting. Um, it, but to that, you say take leadership classes, to, you know, just walk into something that you're not comfortable with because if you always do what you've always done, you know, you, you'll continue to be where you are. Um, any advice for more introverted people? Yeah, start small. Uh, I taught a class at National Convention last year, which was how to speak in public. And I actually brought people in my workshop to the front of the room. And at first they were so nervous. And then I saw them kind of talk about something they loved. So they started talking about something they had done. And they light up. And at first, you know, I would say start by introducing a speaker, for example. I used to say, okay, Alex, you're going to be teaching a workshop. I'm going to go pick Tony over here who's brand new and has taken some speaking courses. Tony, can you introduce Alex in this class? Just small baby steps. Because when you do it and you do it well and rehearse it a little bit, um, all of a sudden you'll start doing more. I didn't think I was ever going to be national president of NARPM. But I started small. I started by a little tiny uh, a board meeting. Dr- bring it, I used to be uh, in charge of the membership for the whole country for NARPM, bringing in new members. So I started there, right? I had to speak in front of people. You know, if you, you're not in the right seat on the bus. If you're the BDM, the business development manager, you should be a people person, be out there in the community. That's the right seat in the bus for someone who's got a nice personality, outgoing. To me, I, I think to me the most important thing is like the kind of service. Like if you truly believe in the, what you've built and that you've, you've been proving people's lives, you know, there's always naysayers and complainers, but, you know, there's always be there. But in, the, in essence, if your service is good and, you know, you come in from the right place, you know, your heart, um, I think you can overcome that, uh, that shyness and, you know, being uncomfortable. Uh, but small steps is a great advice. Um, you know, start by going to NARPA meetings and, you know, they have these speaker introductions, right, as you said, right? So, you know, you introduce a panel speaker and then you hide back. You go hide in your, um, you know, in your seat and nobody, <laughs> yeah. Well, the same is true with your team at four and a half. Your team has to be out there talking to people from the booth, right? So that's a start. Well, this last year in this our state conference, your team, they were vendors introducing the speakers at a convention. 
So even your staff as a vendor and a supporter to all the property managers out there, they're learning to step out of their comfort zone if they don't like to speak in public. It works all the way around. Um, I want to add one thing that's really important. I'm still doing this day is everybody out there that is in the business should have personal note cards, a handwritten note card. And we have ours. Here's ours. You guys Simple. watching video. That's uh, Melissa has her own card. This is Prandy. It has San Francisco. Uh, uh, beautiful old painting of uh, Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, it's nice. It's our logo. And handwritten. Put a nice note thanking somebody. That Even if you don't have personalized ones, which you should go out and get, uh, th that goes a long way. Do you know that I put a, sometimes I put a, a, a small gift card in there? Then I turn around and get a thank you card from the person, the realtor that referred me business. I actually get a thank you card from them, so I've just touched them again because old-fashioned thank you notes go a long way. I've been doing it since day one. can't remember the book, but I read this book. About, it's about 100 no notes to change your life. I don't know if you know that, if, oh. if that springs to mind, but uh, my memory is not good with titles, but um, it was this, this gentleman turned his life around by writing a, a, um, like a thank you note every day, a uh, sincere one. So, yeah, I completely connect to this. In this digital world, and by the way, we're supposed to talk about technology a little bit, Melissa. We'll get there still. But uh, <laughs> in this digital world, this is so refreshing. Like I have been, um, I have been talking about um, some of the things I get from some of the People, so this is Home River, right? This is a thank you note from Andrew Props. Um, very, very thoughtful. It opens with Alex Brosev. Thanks so much for, you know, so on, so on. So it's just very personal, very cool. That's how we talk. So he just translate that, translates that into the – very nice. Thank you, Andrew, if you're listening. But you think about that. How does it feel when you have a stack of papers or stack of – even if you still get bills in the mail, some don't, uh, and you open up a card? I, I already sent my five this week, and today's only Tuesday. Five a week, everybody. Five mm -hmm. a week. That's good. You're disciplined. So I, I want to take uh, uh, take a path, uh, a little bit of a path to back again. You're now around 200 units. So the business is beginning to take shape and size and, and momentum. How do you manage, Melissa, how do you manage the time that you're not there marketing, sitting on the boards, shaking hands, kissing babies, so to speak, out there in the community? Who's running the business? Well, I, I, first of all, I work long hours, so it was always me. It's still me today running the business. Um, but, you know, you got to hire people that are willing to, to be complementary to your skill set. So here at Prandy, we do that. Now, today I have somebody who, um, Christine Gooden, has worked for me almost 18 years. She can finish my sentences, and I can come up with a great idea because I'm a visionary that looks from the 30,000-foot view down and around, and then I'm already going from A to M, M to Z. And she's the person that can fill the gap. So she takes me, all right, let's talk about where you're, how you want to get there and take you from A to B in the steps. So your staffing is so important to look and see what you need. If you're only going to have one or two staff members, make sure they complement your personality as the entrepreneur or the visionary that's out there you know, every day in the market. So, of course, that – now, we had no computer when I first started. We had something called Peachtree. <laughs> which was a, a system that you wrote and it duplicated the receipt and, and it went into your books and then you just had a set of books. Right. My first computer was floppy disk, small little screen, about the si little bit size of the phones today. It wasn't much bigger than that. So I'm dating myself now. <laughs> well, you, well, it's, it's, it's fine, but those, those are interesting trips, uh, in, in time. I mean, I've, uh, I've seen computers, you know, I, I am not, you know, 
uh, I'm of an age where I've seen computers progress from, you know, room size to you know now a phone. So I've seen this, uh, but I've never so I've never I've never had a privilege to work on the older computer. Like all the when I was younger, I played those older computers and not work. Like what was it like? Like take us maybe for a few minutes. That like what 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 did you do on that computer? I mean the capabilities were so small. It was a calculator, wasn't it? No, I actually had an old desktop with a small screen, and we were lucky because the other partner, one was a CPA, the other one was a computer guy. So he was a computer geek that had the, probably the first computer. And we had um, RPM software back then, and it was a DOS base, and you put the money in, very much like QuickBooks almost, where you put the money in and money out. We printed out all the reports, and every month we reviewed the reports by hand, we folded them, put them in an envelope, and someone ran them. Put, oh, actually, we put postage on. We didn't have a stamp machine. Eventually, we got the stamp machine. But So imagine somebody sitting there stuffing envelopes, which we don't do today. Right. And, and so you, you attribute your, uh, the operations of the business to hiring and the success in operations of the business to hiring a, somebody who completes you. Um, and sort of, you know, in your case, Christine is more – uh, let's call it operation focused, detail focused, detail oriented, procedure oriented, where th- she can get take the ideas and sort of integrate them in the process while you're out there hunting for new business, but also working long, long hours to complement because, you know, Christine can't do everything and you probably can't pay her very much at that time, right? So, you know, you have to do that, you the work yourself. Well, I just had an employee, Dana, who retired almost 31 years with me. She just retired. She was my assistant before I owned the company. And she retired February 28th. So having key people, turnover hurts. So when you have turnover in staff, it hurts. So you need to make sure that you're taking care of your staff. If you're about to, I get a lot of people say, ooh, I'm about to hire my first employee or my fifth employee. Like, how do you know? Well, you have to stretch yourself. And you have to sit down and have the staff write things they can stop doing. What's some things you can do? And we haven't even talked about virtual assistants because that's been amazing today. There was no such thing back then. Um, you hired right now, like for example, I just brought in a high school student. She's doing our scanning and some of the things into our system that she'll be here for a few weeks. She'll work part-time and it's things get done and we can get ahead of the summer craziness in this market. Hmm. So don't be afraid to hire a college or high school student in the summer. So you feel you've done well organization-wide on retention? Absolutely. Retention staff and retention clients. Staff retention, yeah, staff retention. So, so yeah, I want to kind of stick to that point for just a second. For those of us who have, uh, um, who could use the advice, let's just say, um, what would be your top two, top two ways to have that strong retention? What are the top two things you do um, to make sure you get the good people that stay? So, have flexibility. Life happens. So, I always, uh, I think you need to ask them what's important. It's not always number one is it's not always I just want money. It's I want flexibility to have a life and I'm and respect them. I mean and respect your employees, they'll respect you. That's very good. That's very good. Okay. And so let's go back to the business. Now we're in uh, two hundred and fifty units, you and Christine and maybe some other maybe one more one more other person. Um, what are you thinking at that point? Um, are you so you're 250 you could be you can make a comfortable living there right 200 250 comfortable living more or less pretty good stable what's going through your mind why do you first of all why do you decide not to sell real estate well that's because of referrals but maybe there are other things I want to ask and and also what what sort of possess you to say okay I'm gonna grow keep going 
Okay, so uh, another NARPA member came to me and said, I'm pregnant with twins. I'm going to go out on leave, and I have 80 to 85 clients. I don't know what I'm going to do. She walked in my doorway. That's from networking and being at these local NARPA meetings. And I said, well, why don't you give me all your clients for a year while you go off and have the twins? I'll watch your clients. I'll take the fees, and uh, you'll come back in a year. Well, guess what happened in a year? She sold me the business. Oh, okay. So I took 85 doors like that. And all of a sudden, you know, 85 doors, you have to get to know the owners, the tenants, the properties. So I grew over the course of things. That's not the only company I bought. But that 250 went to almost 350 instantly. Mm. And, and so how, were, you, were your operations set up for that? I mean, what was a couple – Give us a couple. So that's, I mean, we're getting a wealth of information here. Let's get a couple tricks on digesting the acquisition. Uh, not an easy process. So right. when you take them that many at once, um, we hired immediately. But you got to train the person. But because I was so hands-on, I was able to take the time to bring that person up to speed. So I would tell the audience, the people listening today, let them shadow you. My best training time is having someone sitting right in my office and listen to everything I'm doing. I could hand something right there. Instead of me touching it, I go, oh, Jennifer, why don't you take this right now and take care of it? They're also listening to you. So if I was to put someone in your office today, Alex, and they start shadowing you, you'd be more apt to give things to them to do. They're right there. Why not? So I actually hired someone right away, put them right in my office. We had a small office, and that person trained in a fast mode. And we hired immediately to take care of those 85 doors. And I was active, you know. Do you remember, Melissa, what, and maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not banking on, but maybe you do, what positions you had and how many people you had, like, at, right when you took that acquisition, before acquisition and, po po and right post? Yeah, so we had myself, we had Dana, who was my assistant property manager, and we had one bookkeeper. So I immediately moved Dana into a property manager, get a license, into the lead position of property management, and hired an assistant that we both shared. So we put on a full-time, very good-skilled you know, very strong uh, computers, not computer typewriters then, really. We did a lot of typewriter, but tech, very detail-oriented. And that person supported both myself and the property manager, Dana, who, you know, was my assistant. So how many units did you get post-acquisition? How many units did you end up with? 85. Well, 85, and then how many you had before? Oh, I had about two, a little over two, a little under 250. So we went to over 300 like that. Over 300. And, and so over 300, you have four people, four full-time people running it? Uh, we brought in some, we brought in a college student, and then we, you know, we started adding. Now, you know, we're pretty staffed for what we do have today. But I was, again, working seven days a week because I was able to take the salary for me to get things started and put the money back into the business. Of course. And I had a loan. I mean, I had a loan for the first year. I paid the loan off in one year for the company. And so... With four people and maybe a couple part-time helpers, that was still back then pretty efficient. It was very efficient um, because without this this modern software and all the automations we have now and all the advantages we gain from um, the technology, uh, I remember my Apollo days when I walked into companies that managed 200 units with six people. I'd be like, why do you need six people? I'd be like, well, we have to have it. You know, boom, boom this and that and that and this. And and so that sounds like you you ran pretty lean, but I think you you basically you demystified this by saying first a you were pretty well organized because you had people complimenting your skills, but you also worked seven days a week. That's uh, yeah, yeah, ten hours easily. Helps. I was touching everything. 
so I could easily touch everything was coming through to me and Dana, but I could really do a lot. Now I touch very little. I don't see everything that's going. I couldn't possibly with, I have a large staff now, so I don't see everything. But we weren't, there weren't so many different ways of doing it. Everything was done kind of the same way. Now there's so many ways to do this business. And so two, two, 350 or so properties, 330, um, what then? What, what made you sort of like go, okay, I got to get more? Um, or is it organic? Did you even think about this intentionally or was it all organic? How, how did you think about it? Um, most of it was organic and it just started coming. And we, my son, my son, to be honest with you, my son, Matt, who's uh, about 11, over 11 years now, went off to college and he came back in the business he was another full-time, quick study, had been around it during high school, during summer, during breaks. So he came into the business, and now I had another full-time, strong person who could go out and talk to people, go sign clients. So that, when he came here full-time, that the business started even growing at just very rapid. It still does today, rapidly. Very good. And it's, word it's word of mouth. We've been around a long time. That's very, very good. And it all started with you sort of... Um with you investing time in two things and one of them being, you know, local community and sitting on the boards and, and, and giving back and, and getting to know people. And the other is education, right? Yeah. Education, sure. knowing how to run the business, knowing that learn the business. It's so much fun. The business is so much fun, uh, but you got to learn it. Um, okay. Uh, so other, go ahead. One other thing that I have to say is I learned how to get out of the way. So sometimes as the owner, we are all in forced enemy, meaning that I'm not good at everything. Technology is not my strongest skill or some of the other things in the detail. So get out of the way and do the things you're really good at versus trying to put your hands in everything. 100%. Um, guilty of that. Uh, every founder will be guilty of that because, you know, it's our baby. It's our baby. <laughs> but the baby needs to grow up. They need to go out in the world and make their own way, right? That's it. That's so, such a good uh, analogy for me. <laughs> Even though I only have the eight-year-olds, but you, you, you have a son that grew up, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. So let's let's go. Let's, let's sort of uh, um, fast forward to modern times. Now Melissa runs six hundred plus properties in Marin, and, and for those of you guys that that are listening, um, you know Marin is one of the highest rental markets in the country. So six hundred units here is probably I would say equate to two thousand units in San Antonio, or maybe. Uh, you know, 2,000 units in Salt Lake City, somewhere, somewhere like 2,500, right? I mean, I would say that yeah. is, is equal in terms of revenue. Um, I don't know if I'm out of work, but definitely out revenue opportunity because the rents are so outrageous now. Well, another thing I have to say, Alex, is high-end rents mean high-end owner, high-touch owners and high-touch tenants. So when you're in that market, those properties have a high demand as well. Yeah, so they expect, yeah, they're paying like $5,600 <laughs> a month for, for rent, man. I, I can't have, my blinds need to be fixed, right? I can't have, uh, you know, flip-floppy blinds. <laughs> well, they like to entertain, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I have to say things have changed a lot, but there's still things that remain the same that I do today that I created over the early stage of not in the technology world that I apply in my business every single day. So that's actually a really good segue. So instead of us talking about what what processes you are uh, automated and optimized, because I think it's a lot of them. I know your company; you guys run a tight ship. What processes have you retained? That's a great point. Let's let's yeah. look into those. 
Okay, let's, let, you know, let's, so we're talking about growing the business, right? Right. Well, what happens when a phone call, first of all, we answer our phones live. Monday through Friday, our phones are answered by a live person. It happens to be a virtual assistant, but it's still live, and it's transferred right away to somebody live at their desk whenever possible. We are wanting to ca capture those um, potential new clients. So when a client calls in, I don't pull up my computer, on that might, but I don't pull up my computer and say, just a moment, Mr. Prospect Client, let me get my computer out. I take out a form, and I'm going to hold it up to show those people that are watching, but you can tell what it is. Awesome. It's a lead form. It's green for money. It's green for money. I take out a form, and I say, let me get a few things from you right away. And I begin to interview the client. And, they, and because I'm not tapping on this keyboard, I'm actually paying attention to what they're saying. Now, when they give me an address in seconds, I could pull up the address and, and literally look, be looking at photos of that, that property. But I want to know a few things. I want to know why are they calling? Why do they need property management? Are they trying to sell and couldn't sell? How did they hear about us? It's so important. It's a big line on our lead sheet. How did you hear about property management? I say, so why are you calling my company? Who told you about us? And I want to write that down. Remember I told you earlier, referrals, saying thank you, handwritten notes, sending a gift card. So those things are really important. So I'm not tapping on a screen, but I'm taking down the information. This form has been changed over the process, the same thing we've been doing for over 25 years. That's pretty amazing. It's very amazing. Hey, I have a question right away. Would you be willing to share this form with our audience? I would. I'd oh, that, that, it's very kind of you, Melissa. So uh, after the podcast, I'll get with you. We'll digitize this and uh, – I'll do my best to make it available as a download on the article of this podcast. So if you guys are listening all the way, we're what, about 36 minutes in? If you if you made it all the way to this interview, sitting on the edge of your chair, well, you're going to be rewarded. <laughs> well, it's called a prospect client lead sheet, and it's in green for money. Green for money, yeah. It's called a discovery sheet, but that's awesome. So it gives you the discipline. Guys, some of you who follow me and listen to some of the stuff I say, I just want to sort of reemphasize what Melissa's doing here in my own frame of mind, and that is, look, discovery is the most important. Nobody listens. Nobody cares anymore. People are so quick to give you the pitch and go to the next one. A discovery sheet, or whatever you call your document, is an amazing way to get to know somebody. And, you know, other benefits, right? You'll, you'll know if you really want to manage that property, what that client is like. Talk to them about their particular situation, their house, which they care about a lot. And if you notice, I'm also writing things down as we speak because I'm not tapping no keyboards because um, it's sometimes it could be perceived as disrespectful. Yeah. People don't know if you're paying attention or, or what are you doing. Um, so let's talk about that for a second more. Um, so when we're done with that green lead sheet, First of all, we take that out with a client. We, you know, we look it up. We pull the tax records. But that has to be put in. Now let's talk about technology. So that information is immediately put into our system so that we can see how many of those were taken in one day. Yesterday, Monday, was Christine's day. She had six come in, two repeat clients and four organic calls out of the blue. Yesterday, so one day. Good. So good. Every one of those clients has a green intake form. And now she's handed off to her assistant, and those are already put into to our software program. So that's great. So you guys use Lead Simple, right? Or not yet? Or you will be? Uh, that's Matt's department. That's Matt's yep. department. Okay. But the source, so use CRM or put in your whatever property or systems you use. Um, it's not to put airplane mode. That's a rookie mistake. Excuse me. Uh, but do you have a source field on your uh, discovery sheet? Yes. We call it uh, referral name and agency. So most of our realtors, if it's a current client, we put it all down. We want to know not only the referral, so if it's Joe 
Smith from and then which company he's from, get as much information. Sometimes they don't remember. So we got to try to find out who that person is to say thank you. Excellent, excellent. And so that discovery sheet gets processed, and of course, that's where the power of virtual assistants come in, right? Because then right. they can type that in, right? That's right. Totally. That's also the power of the owner, because when it's a really good one, or they say they know me, they shoot me a quick, uh, quick either an iChat or a quick email saying, hey, we just got this lead. They said they know you. Pick up the phone and give them a call, because you'll get that. We close the deal. We, Matt closed 10, 10 out of 10 pieces. I mean, he, he is a mastermind at this. And he's out and he goes, but he likes me to kind of like grease the wheel, if you will. Call up and say, hey, just want to, you know, hey, I understand you're looking to rent your home out. I'm really excited to, to hear you're working with my son, Matt. Um, we're looking forward to doing business with you. Warm it up, yep. Um, yeah, yeah Matt, Matt is a cool operator. He'll see smooth and he's not, he's not a big, he's not going to give you pitches. He's not going to, yeah, it's just, it's just very, very natural. Very natural. Yeah. Love it. Um, all right, we have time for two more, Melissa. What are two other processes that you retained and you proud that they're manual? Okay, so the next one, I'll also have to share this one with you. It's two-sided form, showing it to you, mm -hmm. but it's yellow. It's the piece that goes out to the property so that if Matt goes out to a property and usually take, we take one other person so that person does all the paperwork and so the lead's going off to the next new client while the assistant's taking the notes and taking the follow-up detail. So that one will tell us a little bit about the property, a lot of everything's two-sided because there's so much detail into does the kitchen have a gas appliance, like a gas stove? Is there a garage? Um, who's living in the property? Is there is there details you want? Mm -hmm. And that particular form, again, you could take a computer and try to do it on your iPad. I find it's cumbersome and it takes a long time. I take a pen and that yellow form, I don't miss anything. So I'm filling out and filling in the blanks on that form and now I come back and someone can write an ad from that. They can do the follow-up from that. They can do everything just from that particular form. And then it goes into our system. So, Melissa, is this the pre-sale or post-sale form? It's actually being filled in while we go uh, out to the new prospect client's home. So let's say a team of two went out there and Matt's doing the pitch. The assistant's doing the, the information take intake. Mm -hmm. And then Matt gets back. They talk about it on the car ride back, and they always say, why do we take two people? Guess what? Matt's on to the next client, and the assistant's following up with the first client. And now when that, when that assistant starts following up with them, they're not offended that the lead that Matt has not followed up because they've been, they met the person right there on the spot. So sometimes it takes two people, and I did this with, a, with an assistant that for two months I trained her that way. She's now in lead, closing deals all day long. So there's a good way to train somebody, but also – the value of the frontline manager going on to the next one to make money while the assistant is doing the detail work, and she can scan it to a virtual assistant and have that done. But they can write their ad. They actually go back and put all the information into, into our software. And we use PropertyWare, so into the software system. So then, then all that detail, how many bedrooms, how many square feet, all that gets data, not by the lead. They're busy signing new clients, but by the assistant. So that's another form that we've used for, and approved it, but used for 25 years. Hmm. What do you think uh, of, I've gotten on a, a few episodes with very, very successful property management companies who don't go to the site pre-sale. Um, they'll send a property manager afterwards, of course, to, to you know, inspect the property, but, but they'll sign people up uh, sight unseen. How do you feel about that? Okay, so I think that's a really good question, and, and, and what I'll say to you, what you said earlier is, my rental average is over 5000 a month, okay. and we're making a lot of money to do our job. <laughs> Enough so, said, yeah. 
don't do, we never sign a client without seeing the property. Yep. And there's no two in Marin, by the way. We don't have track homes. They don't put a hundred homes in a neighborhood. Every single home in Marin is different. Gotcha. So, so, so I guess, I guess for the, for the folks that are listening, it's, it's, it really dependent on your, you know, on, on your location where you are. Cause yeah, if there's a track home and there's a thousand of them and you know exactly how it looks like and that you, you pretty much know what neighborhood it's in, then you know the schools, you know everything, then it's all good. Um, you might be able to get away with efficiency there, but uh, on a high end rentals, you know, personal touches uh, seems to be everything. Um, all right. And one more, Melissa, what other one, one of the process you carry yep. over? Don't be afraid of not managing the property. We call it a lease only. So don't just go ahead and offer that service to, uh, we've been doing it since day one. It's a lease only service. Eventually you can convert them into management. We do all the time, but don't, don't think you have to grab the management. Go ahead and offer them lease only service. They come on kind of gently and then eventually you get them back as managed clients anyway. Mm. So it's only they repeat, they come back, track them, make sure you're sending your newsletter, make sure you're tracking when that lease expires. We've been doing that from day one. I, and actually, so, so I really want to ask you more questions on this. Um, I think this is an opportunity that a lot, a lot of property management companies don't take advantage of. I just spoke to someone the other day and, um, you know, they've never, uh, they've never really, really communicated with their clients in regards to buying more properties, like not even once, not even like, and they're in a hot investor market. In your case, it may not be a hot investor market, but certainly converting lease only into management is a great opportunity. And a lot of us business owners have people in a lower sort of a testing phase of your, whatever your pricing plan is, right? And you right. got to migrate them to the higher one to, to build more value. And uh, so how do you do it? What, what are the, some of the tricks? Um, well, tips? track lease expirations. 60 days before the lease, reach out to the client, send them either a, a standard email or pick up the phone, but send an email that says, I see your lease is about to expire. Would you like us to do a lease renewal and do an annual walkthrough, an inside property evaluation, and then offer them a new lease? So we're offering a service. We, we get paid for that. We're offering a service by reaching out and tracking when that happens. Gotcha. Just, what system do you use to track? We use it through property work. Okay, so you track, great, great. So you so you have number of leases due to expire, and that's your prospecting list. Yeah, because we get a rewrite fee, lease rewrite fee. So we can we can go after our current clients under management. We can go after the lease onlys. We send a little newsletter. We keep in front of them, and then we watch. We'll pull a report and say, give us all the lease onlys that are expiring in the next ninety days. And then we'll just call them. And they may say, nah, I'm going to keep them month to month. Most people at high-end rentals don't do month to month because they don't want them to end in November, December, or January. They want them to keep them on a lease. Summertime, busy. So we have someone who just tracks all of that. That is phenomenal. Now, there's a lot of wisdom here. Uh, I think you are our most experienced or close to probably most experienced guest and certainly most generous because nobody offered to share anything with our audience in the past. I mean – that is very kind of you, um, and I will let you know how many people actually choose to download this stuff. Because if they don't take your advice, um, I, I, I don't know whose advice you would take. Um, take Melissa's advice. Do, 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 do the stuff um, the right way, and um, it will pay back in huge dividends for you. Melissa, thank you very much. If people want to find you, if they offer you speaking opportunities, how would they go about connecting with you? Oh, my email's best. It's my first name, Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, -S -S at Prandi, my last name, P-R-A-N-D-I-P-R-O-P, -P, 
Melissa at Prandyprop.com. Prandyprop.com. And if you guys want to check out uh, uh, Melissa's website, it's www.prandyprop.com, right? That's right. Prandy, Prandy with an I, Prandyprop.com. Melissa, you've been very kind with your time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, and I'm sure the audience is uh, thrilled to uh, uh, learn from you. Thank you. We'll look forward to doing it again, Alex. Have a good day.